Bear. I'm board certified professional organizer, Kathy Burns. I'm really glad you're here. This podcast is designed for busy entrepreneurs just like you who want to take better control of your business and move forward with less stress and more success. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Organized Energized Podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at thepodcast.organizedandenergized.com. Come back often and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Organized Energy and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Hi, I'm back. I am with Michael Whitehouse, who is the guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Uh, He, in 2014, he came from Groton, Connecticut, knowing no one at all. And a year later, he's a major player in the networking landscape, and he leverages his connections to make things happen. So welcome, Michael. I'm so glad that you're on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. I, you know, I just keep saying the guy who knows a guy, I bet a girl and is a girl. Mm-hmm. We're all people who know everybody, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I do specify in my in my book, which the guy knows a guy, which you can get on Amazon. I encourage you to. Um, that <laughs> I, I in the introduction I clarify that it's it's a gender neutral guy, but the the person who knows a man or a woman just didn't have the same ring as the guy who knows a guy. So exactly. It's, it's not meant to be gender, just meant to be catchy. Yeah, I, and it is, and it is. So, okay, so you went to Connecticut, you didn't know Seoul. How did you start out doing this? What 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 was your impetus? Well, so I started out, uh, so we actually were moving because my wife's job changed and our apartment was attached to her job. And at the time I was trying to launch a business, it wasn't actually a fully baked scheme, but I knew I needed to have a network if I was gonna be doing it. So I had some idea about networking. I read a few books about it. I'd done a bit of networking in the past. And I said, all right, well, let's jump into this with both feet. And I went out to every business after hours, business before hours, business during hours, every ribbon cutting, hair cutting, line cutting. If there were people getting together, I was there meeting people. And I found within a year, I was connecting people of note to other people of note. And I'm like, how do you not know each other? You're, you live seven miles apart and you're both like big wheels here, but they hadn't made those connections because especially here in New England, people get very hyper-local. So, you know, they're, they're in their town, they don't cross the river to the other town. And so I was able to be a connector just bridging those gaps. Then when the pandemic came, I went from being a connector here in little New London County, Connecticut, population 250,000, to a connector in the English-speaking world, population 2.5 billion. Because <laughs> when everything went on Zoom, I think on virtual, I could connect at a higher level to people who are doing bigger and, and more impressive things and could make more, you know, bigger connections. And ultimately I got to the point where I, I realized there was a niche for a professional connector, which I call a networking concierge. Mm-hmm. So there's people out there, they know how to network. They want to network. They see the value in networking. They don't have time or inclination. Either they're too busy. Like, oh, I love networking, but I just got all these, all these other things going on or there's commitments, or I know how to network, but I'd really rather not do it. Or I'd rather only network with the people I, that are the right ones. You know, I, they don't want to go to the events. They don't want to kiss all the frogs. They just want to meet the princes. So <laughs> I kiss all the frogs, introduce them to the princes and make the connections for them. And I found there's a great value in that, especially people who are in the joint venture space who, you know, one introduction can be worth $50,000 to them. So right. they're happy to pay me to go find those introductions. I make, heck, I make one or two good introductions a year and they're happy. And I make far more than that every month. So it's, it's worked out pretty well. What did you start out doing when you were, what was your half-baked idea? Uh, my half-baked idea was, it's funny, 
at the time it, it seemed very clear and now i'm like it was some kind of like consulting sales training kind of thing or something um yeah it was very it wasn't even half baked it was just batter it was didn't have all the ingredients in the batter uh, i i think it was it was foreshadowing what i'm doing now that that i was like yeah i'm gonna consult or something let me go meet some people i'm a little extroverted a little outgoing so i think i was so distracted with the networking i forgot that i actually had to have business there's a chapter in my book called monetization makes the world go around which is written for an audience of one this guy right here <laughs> that to remind me you can't just network if you don't have a monetization path now if you're an attorney and you're networking well you're going to find some attorney clients if you're an insurance agent and you do a lot of networking you're going to find some insurance clients if you don't have that thing to plug in to make the money then you're the best connected guy living in a cardboard box under the bridge in town so you need to have some way that ties in and ultimately i figured out for me it's monetizing the connections directly find people who can very effectively monetize introductions and make introductions for them um, but you've got to have some some path to do. I did ultimately, you know, once that the half-baked idea fizzled out and I ran out of unemployment, um, I ended up selling cars. I sold uh, printing. Um, I published a community magazine in which 75% uh, of my sales were coming from in-person networking, which worked great right up until March 2020, at which case that 75% went poof. And it became clear there was time for me to follow my own path because mm -hmm. there weren't any other paths. There was just mine. So. Right. What did you do before that? Whenever you were, whenever you were switching from one career to the other. Um, well, as I mean, when I moved here, I've, as I said, I've sold cars, sold printing, sold ads for the magazine. That's what a publisher does. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much different. Twenty fourteen to to twenty was different sales job. And the great thing was every time when I needed a job, usually because I got fed up with one because I'm a died in the wall entrepreneur and thus not good at working for people. Every time I needed a job, I could simply activate my network and just go get another one. Right. I actually talk in, in my book about uh, the, the fact that it baffles me when I meet someone who's been unemployed for two years. And I'm like, how could, how, how would you look for a job for two years and not find it? I don't look for jobs. I just get them because I have, have a network and actually, and you know, that sounds like bragging, except that I explain how I do it, uh, which is really, the, the short form of it is, is you meet with a lot of people and someone's hiring. So right. if there's a particular job you want, then the way you, you get it is you think about who can give you that job and then who can get you to the person who can give you that job. And then who can get you to those people and kind of work in concentric circles, get as close as you can, reach out to them, get a cup of coffee or a Zoom call or a phone call with them, get their advice, you know, be, be pleasant offer to make introductions for them as our neck can connect you to and repeat. And of course, ask them for who, you know, who do you think I should talk to or do you know particular people and work your way in until you finally talk to someone who says, I like your enthusiasm and your energy because you've already <laughs> talked to 20 people trying to find this job. I mean, think, imagine you're a hiring manager and mm -hmm. somebody reaches you through an introduction from an introduction from an introduction. And they ask like, so, so so-and-so introduced you, how do you know them? Oh, well, I'm using a networking strategy to find this job. I've, I've done 19 meetings so far. Their thought's gonna be, you're the hardest working person in this company. We haven't hired you yet, but obviously we're going to because you're the hardest working person in this building. You, you made 19 meetings to get a job. I wish, I wish our sales team was that motivated. Right, right. So. Yeah, motivation is the key there. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. And I, I often think the same thing, you know, how can you be unemployed for that long? Because there's lots of jobs out there if you just take the initiative. So mm-hmm. for people who are switching careers, I know yep. you've already kind of hinted at this. Okay, a lot of people are leaving. And um, maybe they don't know what they want to go what they know they went out, but they don't know where they want to go or who they want to be when they grow up. Mm-hmm. So, so what would be the advice that you would give them? Uh, so I would, I would say do what I did last year. So on my podcast, uh, the guy who knows a guy podcast, I bring on each season is basically focused on who I need to meet at that time. So my season three people were people who had been successful telling me how they'd done it and telling the audience too, but really telling me. So you don't need a podcast to do this. You can just do coffee meetings and do this, but just start talking to people. Like mm-hmm. sure you can go on the internet and you read websites and you can read books and articles and whatever and that's not my style. I can't pay attention that long. So, and, and usually that information is slightly out of date and filtered and, you know, people talk about this, but don't give you the whole story, but just start talking to people. So if, if you're thinking, you know, I, you know what, I think being an architect might be interesting. I've never been an architect. I don't have any architectural training, but maybe I want to move my career that way. Well, don't guess and like listen to architect podcasts, call an architect. You probably know someone who is or know someone who knows someone who is or know someone you don't know an architect, but maybe you know a general contractor or you know a painter or you know someone who lives in a house. I don't know. You know, the closer you can get, just start getting on calls with people and ask them, what do you like about being an architect? What do you hate about being an architect? You know, tell them up front. I'm thinking about being an architect. I'm thinking about it. What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Would you recommend someone get in the industry? What did you what do you wish you knew when you started? Um, for, for someone of my age, what would be the right path in? Should I go back to school for, for four or six years? Or is there some other path I can take so I don't have to, you know, take six, 10 years to get there? Um, and just start asking advice. And yeah, successful, yeah, successful people are, are remarkably generous with their advice. They really, really are. And also, I think shadowing a person for a day and seeing what they mm-hmm. do actually yep. all day long <laughs> yes. is a great thing because it might end up being a real bore or it might be super exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Um, what's the one lesson that you have learned uh, that life has taught you? What would you think you would be your big life lesson so far to date, Michael, that you've learned? Uh, that everyone is accessible. Um, not any individual person. So like you pick, you know, Tony Robbins, I want to meet Tony Robbins. Well, he's a human. Somebody knows how to reach him. But more importantly, the person you need to reach may not be the famous person you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. I learned everything I needed to get to where I am through meeting a whole lot of people you've never heard of. Amazing people, successful people, wealthy people. You've probably never heard of any of them, unless you listen to my podcast, which you should, because then you'll meet all. But <laughs> I got to meet all these great people. And, it, you know, I have not met any of the big names. And that's fine, because plenty of the medium size and small names also have what you need. Uh, so that's really been the biggest thing, is just how accessible the world is. Uh, and, and the other thing I point out is that, that there, there's no formal social strata in our society. There's no caste system. There's no aristocracy. Nobody knows how big or small you are. You know, the, the old joke in the 90s was on the internet, no one knows you're a dog. But, you know, <laughs> nobody knows if you're, if you're a millionaire or if you're just starting until you tell them. And if you come in with the energy of, of you know, I'm a prospective millionaire as opposed to I'm just starting and trying something. And you come in with the energy of I'm going to be doing something and it's worth your time 
to talk to me because I'm a pretty cool guy, then people be like, all right, sure. I'll give you some advice. I'll help you out. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Now, what's the biggest organizing obstacle? If you had to get organized in your business, uh, what do you think would be your biggest um, thing you've had to overcome in order to keep yourself going moving forward? So my the, the if I if I had um, one organizing robot and it could do one organizing thing, I would create a database of my network. Uh, so for those out there who are not organized, say, I can't network because I can't remember names and I can't keep all these people straight. Fear not, neither can I. <laughs> and a lot of the connections I make, it's a matter of like for my clients, they're always in mind. And so everyone I meet, as I make that meeting, I'm thinking, okay, does he, does he, does he, does he, does he, and then make the connections. And I'll regularly get emails from people saying, thank you so much for that introduction you made. I, I got the job with the guy you introduced me to and it's working out great and I really appreciate it. And I don't know if you remember the movie Mastermind where, where someone's like, we love you. And he's like, I love you too, random citizen. <laughs> That's how I feel those emails. I'm like, I've gotten emails literally where I don't remember the person I helped or who I introduced them to. Right. Because right. I meet so many people, which is certainly better than getting, you know, angry messages from people you don't remember. I only get happy messages from people I don't remember. But you know, but it would it would be ideal organizationally if every person I met went into a system and was remembered forever. And I could say, okay, I've got 37 people in the database who meet who meet this. Um, which is also for the people who are more organized and less outgoing, who say I'm not outgoing enough to be a networker, you can leverage that organization side. You don't have to go to the events and be shaking the hands and be like, hey, how you doing? You don't have to be that person. You could also be much more subdued, but be kind of the, the librarian of networking mm -hmm. um, where people know that you have the, an the, the answer they need if they come to you and make those connections that way. Uh, so, and so if I could combine the organization and the outgoingness, then I would be an unstoppable superhero. So that right. is my next so, step is so actually to, to hire a team to do that. Okay, yeah, I have to ask you that. So what database do you use? Do you use a contact management database? I don't because I have not found any CRM that's not built for sales. They're all sales funnel databases. And the database I would need is something that keeps track of introductions. You know, how do I meet this person? What do they do? What industry are they in? How large is their email list? Who have I already introduced them to? Um, that kind of thing. And I, you know, networking, you hear about it a lot, but as in terms of people actually seriously doing it, it's a very, very small niche. And thus, there are not a lot of products to actually assist um, serious networkers. Okay. I have some ideas for you, possibly. We can talk after the show. I look forward to that. <laughs> so what's the best advice uh, that you can give for entrepreneurs who want to be more free within their business? You know, oftentimes we just get mucked down in our business and um, burn out and, uh, you know, and overwhelmed. Do you have any advice for those people? Because you're a very energetic guy. I am. So uh, I, there's, I'm going to get to two things. One is um, to quote uh, Stephen Covey, the seven habits of successful people begin with the end in mind. So having that goal, for, you know, where are you trying to go? I think a lot of people forget the ultimate goal and they get distracted by whatever's in front of them. So the goal was I'm starting a business so that I can work from the beach. Well, if you start a business, you can work from the beach. 
and then you take on clients who are who require intensive attention in their offices you can't do that from the beach you're working against your interests so keeping that goal constantly in mind how does this get there for me personally it was one of my key goals was spend more time with my daughter and once i really thought about that i'm like wait a minute there's some stuff i could just stop doing right now because it was one of those like when i do this i can make more money with more money i'll have more time more time i can spend my daughter or i could just stop doing this thing and spend time with spend that time with her right. uh, and the the second thing i'll say is gratitude uh it is always mm -hmm. always being grateful for what you have whatever it is you know you're an entrepreneur you have a business you should be grateful for that if you're not if it's that bad quit sell it shut it down go get a job or do something else but if it's something you can be grateful for be grateful for it and be grateful for all the blessings you have starting from the basics you've got a roof over your head you've got food you live in a time when you have access to the internet and can connect to all these people you know 30 years ago you couldn't do that there's so many things to be grateful for and when you focus on that gratitude you're less likely to get burned out because you're like you know things are pretty good and i'm going there i'm going that's the place i'm going out there and i can see it in the distance so things are pretty good here i can see it out there and when you put those two things together the burnout kind of stays at bay oh and take days off occasionally because no matter how grateful and focused you are you'll still burn out if you work seven days a week i know this through experimental knowledge <laughs> Absolutely. And if you feel like you want to spend time with your loved ones, spend time with your loved ones. I think mm -hmm. oftentimes as entrepreneurs, we we buckle ourselves in and batten ourselves down. I got to do it, got to do it, got to do it, because I've got this deadline that we've self-imposed upon ourselves. And mm -hmm. I totally agree. If you get out and recharge yourself, you have more energy to do what you came here to do and keeping your eye on the prize, so to speak. That's really, really good advice uh, to know your end goal and keep your end goal in mind mm -hmm. and gratitude. You know, I think every night before I go to sleep, I try to think of at least five things that I'm grateful for. It's so easy. I mean, even if it's like your pillow, I love my pillow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because what you go to sleep with, you wake up with. Yep. And uh, so those are really, it's really, really good advice from you. Uh, appreciate it. So, do you have anything that you would like to offer uh, the audience here that they can download from you? I do, as a matter of fact. Uh -huh. If they go to guywhoknowsaguy.com, they will find a place where they can get, they can put in their email address and I will send them my Power 5 networking tips. Ooh. So I have this whole book, 100 pages long, that is distilled down to one page. Now, it takes out all the funny jokes and stories. So you should definitely get the book because that's the much more fun version. But the power of five networking tips is the key five tips distilled out of that, that if you follow them, if you're like, I don't know network, I maybe network, I don't know network. You can get this, take those five tips and use that, go to events, go to virtual events and start to, to get, your, get your networking action going. Perfect. Now you are energetic, but whenever you feel burnout, what do you do personally? Uh, whenever I feel burned out, I very intentionally take time off, which is has taken a lot of training um, because of the difference between doing nothing and resting. Yes, it's very possible to do nothing and be just as tired because you spent that time working in your head. So mm -hmm. I very intentionally take time off, whether it's, you know, see a movie, go for a walk, um, you know, block out this time and be like, you don't have to do anything right now, but, but I need to, nope, nope, nothing, yeah. nothing. You can stare at the wall. You can watch a movie. 
you can roll around the grass. Doesn't matter. So I've, I've yeah. worked on training myself to it. Cause I've actually, I hit the point of burnout where I would literally wake up sick in the morning, like not actually sick. Just my body was like, not today. Yeah. Not happening. No. Yeah. Um, I said, Oh, maybe that's a seven day a week thing. I, I was working seven days a week for about six months. So I started to hit that point when I was like, you know what? I think I need to uh, bring this in because as my mother used to say, lay down before you fall down. Mm, no, that's good advice, mom. Thanks, mom, for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. And, you know, give yourself permission. We all yep. need to give ourselves permission to lighten up because this is a game that we're playing here with business. It really is. And it should be fun and it should be dynamic and we should be able to call our own shots. That's why we are entrepreneurs to begin with. Yep. So if your boss is mean, you know, sometimes I say my boss is really mean, you know, hey, I'm talking about myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think some of the challenge too is like, you know, what's my job? It's, it's talking to people. It's fun. Like it's this that I'm working right now. Is it working? But even though it's all, almost all of it's fun, it's still work. And, yeah. you know, although I feel like, oh, I can just talk to people all the time. It, I mean, some of it is also just the, frankly, it's the organizational issues. You know, always say like, oh, I got more emails and I got to deal with this and the structure and the, the ADD and the, um, but but, you know, basically the work, I'm like, I'm not working. I'm not digging ditches. I'm not, you know, dodging bullets. I'm sitting in front of a computer and talking to people and writing. I, I don't need a break. This is easy. But you still do need a break no matter how much fun the job is, no matter how easy it is for you. You still have to stop doing it now and then because you're still just running the same pathways and working the same system over and over yeah. again. Work-life balance, baby. We all need mm-hmm. the work-life balance. We got to tell yep. ourselves to balance it out. Okay, for my final question, what should I ask you that I did not, Michael? Let's see. What should you have asked me? Um, yes, what did I, I miss? I, I think you pretty well covered it. I'm going to give the closing piece of advice I usually share, if I may, which is um, that because a lot of people ask, you know, how do I become a connector? You become a connector when you decide to be a connector. When you start asking the question, who can I introduce you to who would be valuable? You become a connector because once people start asking that, you've got a mission. Someone says, oh, I need to meet this person. Well, now you got a mission. Go ask your friends, start looking around, ask them who they need to meet. Now you're a connector, you're a valuable resource. You get all the benefits of being a connector. You're the people you need to meet. And that's all it takes is having that right attitude. Mm, create the mission. I love that. That gives you an endpoint in mind back to that, the endpoint mm-hmm. in mind and why we're doing what we're doing. And it gives you, puts you on that path. That's really yep. good. That's a good thing. Hey, I really appreciate it. Everybody make sure to download his very succinct, what, one page? One page. One pager, uh, synopsis of the book. And then if you love it, go ahead and buy his book, of course. Hey, I've been talking to the guy who knows a guy, and it has been really fun. Even now, I'm a girl who knows a guy. Thank you, <laughs> Michael, for your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to hear more, feel free to subscribe on the platform of your choice. Also, if you feel so inclined, I would truly appreciate a good rating from you to me. Have a stellar day.